Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss the best romance movies. Hello, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. And this episode's for the ladies. We're oh, doing, hello we're there. We're doing the romance <laughs> episode. <laughs> we're, Just kidding. We're, we act, I love a lot of these movies on yeah, this list. We're so, looking very cute today, too. We got our, our date outfits on. I guess. I, yeah. I wore a shirt with flowers. I've seen you go on dates with that shirt before. A long time ago. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't that, worn that was this. Your, that was your go-to date shirt. In case, Not for, a go-to for, date shirt. For anyone not listening, he's wearing a shirt with roses on it. It wasn't a go-to date shirt. It was. Uh, I have multiple shirts. <laughs> I have more than one piece of clothing that I wear out to impress women. Okay. <laughs> impress I, is, a, is a funny word to use. I have bombers <laughs> and Henleys that I like to wear. That's true. You do like your Henleys. But no, I haven't worn this shirt since the last Valentine's Day episode. It's a new did. tradition. But today actually is Valentine's Day, so we're doing some of our favorite romance films, and also we took a poll on Instagram and also accumulated the most requested romance relationship movies that our fans came up with and also added those to the list as well. And cheesy rom-coms are like my guilty pleasure. I love rom-coms, but there are a lot of really great movies about romance romance and falling in love and falling out of love, and we've added a bunch of those to our list. So we took both what our fans had for the vote that we put on as well as a few of our favorites as well. So yeah. I mean, some of these are... This list is really good, I yeah. think. We, I think y'all are going to like it. It's, it's, we curated it. Our our fans helped. It's very solid. And, and I know. was surprised about what the number one pick was. We'll get that into that in a sec. But before the list, uh, we also had, because we did an Instagram poll asking what um, everyone's favorite romance movies were. And we got some funny uh, responses as well. Oh, so let's hear this. We got The Evil Dead, <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard, Juno and Anthony, <laughs> Gone Girl, <laughs> Deliverance, <laughs> oh my God. Requiem for a Dream. Jeez. Audition, Marriage Story, and Revolutionary Road. <laughs> the latter is just an hour of screaming at yeah. each other. <laughs> now, Valentine's Day, it occurs every February 4th. And across the United States and other places around the world, it's full of candy, flowers, gifts are exchanged between loved ones. But what what is Valentine's Day even? Where does it come from? Do you know? I think it comes from, does it come from companies, corporations trying to sell shit? Well, I think that's where it turned into. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what most holidays have also, turned like into. Also, like the holiday, uh, I have no idea. It's actually, people believe it's it's tied to Christianity and it celebrates the martyrdom or recognizes the martyrdom of St. Valentine. Mm. And so, so there's St. Va- Valentine or Valentinus. All of whom were murder, martyred. <laughs> murdered. Murdered. It's murdered. But it's still shrouded in mystery, according to history.com. <laughs> this is a true crime podcast now. Valentine's Day, a story of its patron saint, is shrouded in mystery. And the bloodshed that it began. We do know that February has long been celebrated as a month of romance, and St. Valentine's Day, as we know it today, contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was St. Valentine, and how did he become associated with this ancient rite? Who murdered him on that freeway? I'm interested. I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> Who murdered him on that freeway? <laughs> His body was found in a ditch. <laughs> All right, so uh, the origins of, of Valentine's Day, a pagan festival in February. This is according to history.com. Okay, so it's pretty official stuff. It's not Wikipedia. While some believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably occurred around AD 270, 
Others claim that the Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine's Feast Day in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercalia. Celebrates the Ides of February or February 15th, Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Phanus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as to the Roman founders of Romulus and Remus. So that's pretty interesting. So... Uh, a festival <laughs> about fertility. I'm just curious how long this is going to go. I thought it was a fun background story. Uh, it's on history.com. So, again, <laughs> you told us. So, yeah. so, you know, it's good. <laughs> Are they a new sponsor? <laughs> no. This is information, man. So, it's interesting that it stemmed from a fertility festival and stuff. <laughs> I, 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 want, I was curious myself. So it's an interesting background. And then Thank obviously, you for enlightening it's us. been turned into a, a capitalistic holiday full of <laughs> dudes spending so much money for their girlfriends and boyfriends on yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I spent plenty of plenty of dollars on Valentine's, but I remember Valentine's as a kid, and you got the little cards <laughs> yeah, in class. <laughs> yeah, in class, and you passed the cards to all your Valentines. Like your parents made you, you made a goodie bag for everyone in yeah, class. You, or, like picking the right cards were awesome because you had, they all had like different cartoons and characters on them. And so you had to pick, you were like, I was always very excited about getting like the, the perfect uh, Valentine's theme. It was like Halloween. It was like pre Halloween. Yeah. It was like a second Halloween. It was like mm-hmm. Halloween breakfast in February yeah. rather than October. And if you didn't get any, you were depressed. But you get worse candy. <laughs> On Valentine's Day, you you get like sweet tarts and Smarties yeah. and stuff like that, which is fine, but like it's not like Snickers like, or anything. Like the sweet sweet candy. So, anyways, that's a little background according to History.com. <laughs> the history of Valentine's Day for Saint Valentine or Lupercalia. Use our coupon code. Use our coupon code at History.com. <laughs> Raiders at checkout. <laughs> All right. Um, now, before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, where you get awesome perks like our podcast schedule, personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the show, which we will be doing on this episode. So stay tuned for the very end to hear your name shouted out if you're a top tier patron or godfather tier patron and weekly bonus episodes every week which I just said weekly. We just launched our podcast masterclass online course. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or wants to improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or go to our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage. You can also see all of our sources of content, our movie posters, our custom merch, Follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in around the world. Now let's get into our romance film. Do you want to get into the list? Let's do it. So what's the first movie you got on here? So I was surprised to see, and it is a very good movie, the number one movie by far that was chosen by our fans for the best romance movie is About Time, which was directed by Richard Curtis and stars Donald Gleason, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nighy, Tom Hollander, and Margot Robbie in a very early supporting role of and this movie's really terrific. It has a 7.8 IMDb rating. And 7.8 is a really terrific rating on IMDb. Anything close to 8 for a movie is uh, phenomenal. And that means it's universally loved. Although its its critical reviews are pretty lukewarm. It has 69% on Rotten Tomatoes and 55 on Metacritic. So critics weren't as warm to this film. But I just think that they were completely wrong because this film is very endearing, full of heart, uh, very romantic and touching. It's about um, uh, a guy named Tim Lake, and when he turns 21, his father reveals a family secret. The men in their family can ta- can travel through time. Although he can't change history, Tim, re- Tim resolves to improve his life by getting a girlfriend. He meets Mary, falls in love, and finally wins her heart via time travel and a little cunning. However, as his unusual life progressive progresses, Tim finds that his special ability 
can't shield him from those he loves from the problems of ordinary life. I think it was just a really unique original take on romance. Uh, Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams are pitch perfect together. I think it's a wonderful film. Yeah, Rachel McAdams is like in every romantic film you can think about of. About time travel. But about time. She's in the time traveler's it's true. wife About too. time is kind of like if Chris Nolan made a rom-com. <laughs> yeah. It's like that kind of feel. And the wife didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> or it, wasn't already dead. But like if Chris Nolan made it, then Bill Nehe, his father, would have ended up being him. Like he would have been himself as older or something like that. But it's, it's really good because, you know, if you have time travel abilities, like obviously you're gonna try to enhance your life as much as possible. And Tim in the film uses it to find love, which is very touching, very sweet. But also, it's like he's kind of cheating. And then throughout the film, he learns that it's better to not even use this ability and just do it, mm-hmm. do it straight edge, man. Yeah, exactly. It's a great film. I'd be I, like doing coolest stuff, but like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, in the uh, the power, you can't change any, you can't alter events. So, I mean, that would just mess everything up. If yeah, you do that's true. Yeah. Okay, so you can't, but you can't return the Infinity Stones, or I don't know, can't like, like win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, you can't like travel back in time, see who wins the World Series, and bet a hundred grand on it. Oh man, that's lame. Yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. Same thing with uh, Back to the Future. Oh yeah, you're right. With the uh, sports book. You're right. You're right. Good call. Yeah. That would ruin everything. It'd be a whole new timeline, new yep. dimension. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next film, Titanic, which you could argue is probably the great, greatest romance film of all time, the I've greatest love story. Uh, I recommend it. came out in 1997. Check what it is. out. Um, James Cameron. Uh, you, you can read some articles about it on history.com, too. <laughs> <laughs> James Cameron made this What's masterpiece. What's funny is you actually can because <laughs> I'm sure. It uh, stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, obviously. IMDb, 7.8. Rotten Tomatoes, 89%, Metacritic, 75 and a 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious, ill-fated RMS Titanic. Obviously not based on a true story of the this romance, but the Titanic was obviously a real event. Yeah, James Cameron basically, he always wanted to film the Titanic and have a reason to actually make a film about it. And he, he wrote the romance as a way of him just being able to go down underwater and film it. That was the entire intention for him to make the movie, to actually just go into the Titanic in, a, like, the little submarine crafts. Yeah, because that's, like, an obsession with him is yeah. after he made Titanic and then he kind of just disappeared from filmmaking. He was doing a lot of, like, the underwater sea yeah. discovery, exploration, building subs. We've talked about that on our Avatar episode. And because he, what, there was 15 years between those two movies. It was 1997 and then 2009, I think, yeah, Avatar was, so 12 years between his movies. Wow. And he was doing all sorts of stuff like that. But, you know, Titanic is incredible. We have the story of Jack falling in love with Rose. And oh. it's a love that's not meant – that can't happen. It's very Shakespearean. You know, he doesn't come from the, the the world that she comes from. He's not good enough for her. The family doesn't want her. She, he's, she's supposed to be engaged to Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> the doomed romance. The doomed romance. Yeah, it's always great. Cause, you know, but then he ends up staying and they choose each other and they – you know, Spoilers. I think we've all seen Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we is all know what happens. It's, it's the what the second highest grossing film of all time or third? I think now it's third. It's like top five, third, third probably because Avatar. now Avatar, no, no, Avengers Endgame is number two. Okay, gotcha. And then probably Titanic. Gotcha. But I mean, yeah, this is a, a wonderful film. We saw it a, a few times in theaters because everybody saw it multiple times. That's why I made so much money. But it is without a doubt one of the greatest Love stories of all time. Yeah, we used to watch this a lot when we were kids. All time. <laughs> Next up, we have La La Land, which came out in 2016, directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone in their third collaboration together. And this has great ratings. IMDb has an 8.0. Rotten Tomatoes is a 91% fresh score. And then the Metacritic score is 94 
which is most impressive. It's def- it's very difficult for a film to get over ninety on that on that critic rating. For real, yeah. While navigating their careers in Los Angeles, a pianist and an actress fall in love while attempting to reconcile their aspirations for the future. This is a really terrific musical. It's a very um, accurate L.A. movie. It feels like a fun L.A. movie for anyone who lives there, like from the traffic to the music to like the bars and stuff to, you know, everyone who is there is in the industry in some capacity of yeah, trying to get yeah. entertainment. My life is basically Seb's. Like, I, yeah. I live the same life as Sebastian. Yeah, except you're not jazz pianist. <laughs> <laughs> or Ryan Gosling. Everything else is the same. <laughs> But La La Land is a special movie. I mean, this thing, it, it lost to Moonlight at Best Picture, but that was the year that they accidentally read La La Land <laughs> on stage, which was horrible. But La La Land is incredible. I could have seen that winning Best Picture. The music is sensational. Uh, Justin Hurwitz, who does Damon Chazelle's music, is, is like his John Williams to Steven Spielberg. The, a ton of music, beautiful music in this. The theme, Great of, theme. of them two, of... Uh, Sebastian and what's her name in the, in the movie? I can't remember. Mia? Mia. Mia and yeah. Sebastian is beautiful and just filming all over LA, the Griffith Observatory, just random streets that, I mean, if you live in LA, you recognize a bunch of different locations. And oh, it just, yeah. It's a really great love story, but it really ends up being m- more than a love story. It's, it's more of two life journeys that, you know, they want to be together, but in order to achieve their ultimate dreams, they have to be apart and go separate paths in separate ways. And that sometimes is the is the greatest love of all is to let that person go to be able to achieve what they truly need to accomplish in life, which is really beautiful. It's a great film. Great production design and use of color as well. That was a great summary. Thanks, man. I'm touched. I have moments. You do. Sometimes, like, I I feel like I was out of body just now. I blacked (laughs) out. I don't know what happened. So much. Wait, I was talking? You talked about Apocalypse Now for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was like, whoa, whoa, where are we? I played the Ride of Valkyrie on my phone the whole time. (laughs) Next up is you know you you say the next yeah, one. Yeah, can I go? Yeah, you can go. <laughs> next up, we have Silver Linings Playbook. This came out in 2012, directed by David O. Russell, starring Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, and Robert De Niro. IMDb, this is a 7.7. Rotten Tomatoes, 92%. Metacritic, 81. After a stint in a mental institution, former teacher Pat Solitano moves back in with his parents and tries to reconcile with his ex-wife. Things get more challenging when Pat meets Tiffany, a mysterious girl with problems of her own. And this, I think, is a perfect example of a modern dramatic romantic film because like like movies on this list like when harry met sally and, and stuff like that are, uh they're like past comedies and romance films that did really well and it's that era but this is like a new era i think of romantic comedy it's one of my favorite movies of the last decade it's really sensational it was during david o russell's peak of he did the fighter server lines playbook and american hustle and joy within like five years it was just he was just turning out these great films and also he started his collaborations with Jennifer Lawrence in this film Bradley Cooper as well and um he was coming off the fighter and I just think this movie is really brilliant it's so funny it's so terrific amazing characters I just love everything about it I've seen it many times and I still every time I just love watching it It has the backdrop of a football and this really changed my opinion of Bradley Cooper as an actor when I saw this, I was like, okay, this guy is legit. It wasn't Wedding Crashers? It was not Wedding Crashers. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Limitless, I was like, oh, he's pretty good. And then with Silver Linings Playbook, I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. Hangover, he's good, but it's like, is that 
that's like a stereotypical character yeah. that a lot of people could have played. Yeah, so I know exactly. what you mean. But this was like, wow, Bradley Cooper can act his ass off. He's really talented. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar for this movie. It's mm-hmm. really great. Very emotional, but also the the look that it takes into mental health and the importance of mental health awareness. This film, I think, was one of the early recent films in Hollywood to shed a light on that entire area in a lot of people's lives. Yeah, it's, it's great. Great, great job. A lot of improvisation and, you know, dialogue was improvised, like, in the the filmmaking was improvised. Like, David O. Russell, he, he found his style with the fighter and Silver Linings playbook. And I love the football backdrop. We love yeah. football. We love the Patriots, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. And not, anything Tom Brady does. Not huge Eagles fans, yeah. obviously. Yeah, they beat us in but the Super we Bowl. Still, I still like the backdrop of that kind of popular culture, sports culture, as a little thematic element throughout the film, exactly. telling the story and the relationship it has with each of the characters, even the doctor, even Chris Tucker's character, Robert De Niro's character, his brother, all of them. Fly Eagles fly. Fly Eagles fly out of the place. She's making she's making crabby snacks and homemade. <laughs> it's really funny though. It's yeah, a it's funny very movie. Funny. Uh but yeah, I, I love the performances from Bradley and Jennifer Lawrence in this. Really, really great. Next up we have Her, which came out in twenty thirteen, directed by Spike Jones, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, and Rooney Mara. This film has an eight point zero IMDB rating, a ninety four percent Rotten Tomato score. And a 91% Metacritic score. So excellent responses from critics and fans alike. In a near future, a lonely writer develops an unlikely relationship with an operating system designed to meet his very need, his every need. Now, this film is extremely powerful. And for a movie about a man developing a relationship with a computer, it is insane how touching heart felt and authentic to real life it is. Samantha's more than a computer. Yeah. Okay, man. So take that back. James is in love She's with Samantha. AI. I think this is the best movie on this list. Whoa. Hands down. Here we go. I think this movie is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorite this century. It's like in my top 25 possibly all time for favorite films. I love her so much. And one of my favorite episodes we've ever done was when we did Lost in Translation and her together as a, not a versus, but like a complimentary movie episode because they're so connected emotionally and from the filmmakers. But her is beautiful, you know. It's about more than love almost because it also dabbles into the science fiction realm, artificial intelligence, but also what it means to be human. We, it's questions, all a lot of stuff like that in the film, a lot of deep themes on the, on the cusp of it being also a great romantic film. And the thing about love is... We learn that it doesn't have to be between two people. It can be between two, like an artificial intelligence and a human being in this film. But the artificial intelligence becomes something more, Samantha. And I think that Scarlett Johansson did a phenomenal job for just having her voice in the film. And then Joaquin Phoenix, this is such an underrated performance. It's out of his, out of the norm for his popular roles. He's known, obviously, for like Joker and like Gladiator, these like really like eccentric characters or dark brooding characters characters. yeah and like something really incredible about them that like is fascinating whereas his character theo and her is kind of just like an every person who's kind of just missing lost in life looking for love looking for something to complete him and it's about finding that and then losing it but also finding it again yeah, he, he plays a, a sweetheart in this movie it's something that he had never done before and he was coming off of i'm not there and he did this in the master, and I think that really those two movies were really, really important to his filmography. Coming off the, like that whole mess of the "I'm not there" thing, situate that yeah. whole situation. And Spike Jones is an excellent filmmaker. I mean, he's had 
these skills since in such a long for such a long time, even like with the Jackass stuff when he was directing those videos. But even like look at his music videos. I watched Sabotage, the Beastie Boys music video for the I haven't seen that in like a decade. I watched it yesterday out of cha- for randomly. <clears throat> still so funny and still so good but he's developed his techniques filmmaking wise so well he won best screenplay best original screenplay for this at the oscars academy awards which was much deserved i think he's a he's one of my favorite directors working today great storyteller this is just i think in my opinion one of the greatest love stories ever told in film you heard it here first folks it's a great movie. It <laughs> great, is. great movie. And if you haven't heard that episode, definitely check it out. It a good it's time. one of our best ones. It really is. But you had to have seen Lost in Translation. We go back and forth big time. Big time. Big time, kid. <laughs> Next up, we have the Before Trilogy. This features Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. Before Sunrise is an 8.1 on IMDb. Sun- before Sunset's an 8.1. And Before Midnight is also is a 7.9. These were directed by Richard Linklater, and they star Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy, who also co-wrote the scripts which, with Richard Linklater as well. And they actually were nominated for Oscars for the second one. Um, not the first one, though. They weren't recognized as co-writers. But this is a collaboration of a trio of people. They write the stories together. Both Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, They, when they're not making these, they're, they keep notebooks and they keep ideas for what their characters will have will be saying, what they could topics they could talk about and things that happen in their lives. And then they all, all three of them reunite with their ideas and they they work out the stories for each film and i just think it's a really genius idea and people when they talk about the greatest trilogies of all time this is left out of every single list and yeah i like i think a lot of people are unaware of this being such an amazing trilogy every one of these films just from the imdb ratings they are absolute fantastic high class high caliber films like these are some of the best romance films of all time each and every one of them in their all unique ways they none of them it's hard to even pick one that's better than any of the other three but they all tell different things about love from you know the spark of uh, an early romance to you know getting back on the wagon of a romance and then um the third one is about you know we've been married for 10 years let's try and keep this going as best we can so it sh- it shows the stages of these characters lives very much like his film boyhood which he did um link later did with also with ethan hawk but this is an, a similar kind of idea. They weren't really planning it that way. They just kept doing it as they went along. And I can't wait. I hope to make a fourth one to see where these two characters will be um, like 13 years from before midnight. It's about love over time. And I can't think of another filmmaker that's made stories, not just like the before trilogy, but also like Boyhood, where we're following characters with the same story over a long period of time. Boyhood, how long would that take him? Like 15 years 15 to years, make something yeah. like that because we're following the course of this of this boy into adolescence into an adulthood. And this is the same kind of situation where we're following this couple from meeting uh, and then being in love and, and married and then having kids. And I think it's 25 years in total, maybe a little bit more. From, for, it's, from first it's gotta to last. got to be something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really beautiful because it's, it's so relevant to... Obviously, I've never been in a twenty-year relationship, but you know, I've we we have parents, and we've watched we watched long-term relationships and how the they have ups and downs, just like this these films, especially the last one. You know, the 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 original, the first one before sunrise is really beautiful. How they meet, it's like a fairy tale. It's very European style filmmaking. It takes place in Europe as well, and it's really beautiful. And and then the it doesn't sun- have that much conflict in it. Yeah. And then yeah. sunset is a little different. Um, they're both in relationships. And then they start to get back together, and then before midnight's after they've been married and they've had kids, and it tells the story of that rela- their relationship and how it's changed so much there. And 
and all the mistakes they wish they didn't make in their personal lives before their relationships, out of their relationships, and in their relationship and trying to stay happy and keep the, the boat going. It, what's so cool is that when I watched Before Midnight, the third one, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, it felt like I was watching a couple that I were friends of mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like seeing them for the first time in years and seeing how their life is. And, you know, I what I really love about these films is they don't have plots. It's just these two characters talking the entire time. Um, and it's endless conversations. Um, these just a few scenes in total um, from movie to movie. But I mean, I know times are changing nowadays. A lot of people spend a lot of time on their phones or on video games or, you know, watching Netflix. But, you know, before all the technology, if you were in a relationship or you were you lived with people or had close friends, you spend most of your time talking, talking about all sorts of things. And I think that's what I really adore about these films is it feels like just two people having conversations like you and I do on the show. It's really beautiful. You know, the first film they meet on the train and then uh, Jesse, played by Ethan Hawke, convinces Celine, played by Julia Depley, to um, get off Julia Depley to get off the train and, and miss her flight back home and and just spend the day with him there. And then they depart. And it, there's a joke later on. It's like, why didn't we exchange information? Like that was so yeah. dumb of us. We thought we'd just connect some random other time. And then the, before sunset is about, he wrote a book about his night with her, and and he they find each other again in Paris again. Um, and then again, the, the third one is after they've been together and married and have kids and what's happened to their lives. And they have just a very reminiscent experience about, you know, meeting and the life they've lived now together and, and the, what the future is going to look like with them. Yeah. And, and, you know, the marriage is complicated because Ethan Hawke's uh, character, Jesse, he has a kid um, with uh, his ex-wife in America and he's living in Europe with his one new wife Celine and their kids so it's become a complex situation um, I just really love the entire trilogy uh, Richard Linklater is an extremely underrated director and you know Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are terrific writers and actors the acting in this film and the directing is very underrated because what they do is a lot of long takes you'll have a scene that's like eight minutes long and the camera doesn't cut they, they'll walk through multiple environments and hold this entire conversation and it feels improvised, but the entire thing is perfectly planned out because, you know, the camera's blocking um, with the camera blocking and the actor blocking moving through sets. It has to be done perfectly and it, they make it look really effortless, which is why I think it kind of flies under the radar in terms of filmmaking. Now for Valentine's Day, we're going to do a special little gift for all of you, if you use our coupon code at manscaped.com, Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping, we'll send you a personal video from us saying thanks and saying hi if you use that coupon code. So just go to manscaped.com, get whatever you want from that site. We've been using their products forever at checkout, Raiders of the Lost podcast to get that deal. They just launched their ultra premium collection, which has deodorant, body wash, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, hydrating body spray, lip balm. We've been talking about their... Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer, and this is the perfect stuff for guys. So if you got a manual life and, you know, maybe you guys did something special for Valentine's Day, you're doing something special tonight, get him something special from Manscaped. I recommend. And if you use our coupon code, we will send you a video from us. I love the lip balm and deodorant. I use it every day. Do you love movie posters? James and I do. And the best place to get your posters online today is at movieposters.com. Use our special promo code Raiders 10 to get 10% off your order today. James and I just got a brand new shipment of posters from movieposters.com on our set. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that I have The Color of Money, Boogie Nights, The Great Escape, and James got Hateful Eight, you have Psycho, 
And you also have Dune, Had of to course. Get my D- Timmy right here. Oh, yeah. Giant face next to me. It's great. These posters are high quality, the best printing available. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever your poster needs are. Movieposters.com can handle it, as well as an arsenal of pretty much every film and TV show imaginable. Again, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. How about we head on into our intermission and then we'll finish up our romance episode. Sounds lovely. Let's begin with our movie quote competition. Now mine is from a fan, Marin Bedlisi. This is the quote. When you're going to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Say it again. When you're going to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. I feel like I know this, but I can't picture it. I can it's picture Die it. Hard. No. Oh. No, it's different. Uh, he's, it's worded differently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know then. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh. And that's why I said I can picture it too, because yeah. I'm looking at the poster oh. behind your face. <laughs> you gave me a hint. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a Mugatu laugh. <laughs> <laughs> He's exactly right. He's absolutely right. <laughs> you know I get farty and bloated with the foamy latte. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? A center for ants? <laughs> okay. Hansel is so hot right now. <laughs> Here's my quote. I will not rest until I have you holding a Coke, wearing your own shoe, playing a Sega game featuring you, while singing your own song in a new commercial starring you, broadcast during the Super Bowl in a game that you are winning, and I will not sleep until that happens. I'll give you 15 minutes to call me back. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know if this is right, but it sounds like the character of Matthew McConaughey in Tropic Thunder, the agent. No. How he'll like go through any ends to get him the Tebow. What do you mean you don't have Tebow? <laughs> it's in the contract. Um, I don't know. Jerry Maguire. Oh my god! It's like I think it's like the opening scene when he's trying to draft. He's trying to get uh, a new uh, high draft QB. The quarterback. Yeah, the that quarterback. Goes to the other agent. Yeah, is that? Yeah, that's the spiel he gives him. Oh man, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. All right, now let's move on to our movie release year. Guess this one. Gigli. Gigli? Gigli. Can you say that again? Gigli. 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 2004. 2003. Damn it. Oh, man. Gigli. Classic. Okay, guess this movie release year. A Few Good Men. 1997. 92. Wow. That's old. Yep. It's an old movie. Sometimes, yeah. I, so sometimes- old. Sometimes I forget how old Tom is. Yeah. He's been doing <laughs> like, it for a long time. That's like it's such a big movie. Yeah. And you see, he seems like he's in the middle of his career at that point. He's great in it. But yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's still, he's still super young. I think he was like late 20s in that. Okay. Movie pop quiz time. Let's no, go. just give me a ballpark answer because, you know, I don't expect you to get exactly right. I'm nervous. How much money did the Fifty Shades of Grey films gross in total? Yeah. It's three movies? Yeah, so I'll give you like a $100 million leeway. Okay, so above three, or under. So three films. I'm, I, it's definitely a lot, but not as much as Twilight. Um, I'm going to go with 50 Shades franchise gross $1.2 billion. I'll give it to you, $1.3 billion. Yes. Thanks, yeah, man. Nice job, man. Close. Good guess. Thanks. 
Nice job. Wow, man. Listen to this guy. I know my stuff. I don't, I don't know where he gets it. I, I know, know my stuff. I, I don't know, know either, man. It. I don't know either. <laughs> it just comes to you. <laughs> All right, let's move into- uh, I have a quiz, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry. Jeez. Okay, ready? Uh-huh. Tom Cruise spoofed what famous character in this 2002 movie? Tom Cruise spoofed this famous character in a 2002 movie? Hmm. So he just has a cameo then, right? It's a cameo, yeah. It's an early Tom Cruise cameo. Like, all I can think I of know, is you tell Rex me, Goodman. And... You tell me. It's Les Grossman. I mean, like, Rex Goodman. You just made up a name. Rex Goodman. Who the fuck is Rex Goodman? Oh, I was thinking um, Dodgeball, White Goodman. <laughs> Rex Goodman. The conference I had of that not being. <laughs> yeah, it's classic character Rex Goodman. Yeah, it's cl- classic Stanley Mikeson. <laughs> All right, Tom Cruise cameo in 2002. What? What movie? as a as a famous character he spoofed he as spoofed a, the character, I don't know Austin Powers in what movie? Oh, in Austin in Powers, Austin Powers. He, he plays Austin Powers in the movie version of Austin yeah, Powers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the movie set and everything. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that sequence. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's a great opening. All right, uh, haters. What do we got? I'm subscribed. We got haters. We got a we got a couple of haters. We got a couple. Who we got? Let's hear it. <clears throat> so I mentioned I I made a Christopher Nolan Dunkirk clip or something. And then um, I wrote. Someone wrote, "Oh man, hopefully du- uh, Nolan gets nominated. No, hopefully not. Nolan wins an Oscar for Best Director for Oppenheimer." And I wrote, "We'll see." But he had, he didn't even get nominated for Inception, Interstellar, Dark Knight, or Memento. Um, and then some bozo, Horny Enchiladas is his name. So a very cool guy. He wrote, "I think you boys need to get fact checked." Nolan was nominated for Best Director for Dunkirk and Best Picture for Dunkirk. And I was like, "Bro." I didn't even say that because I knew he was got he got nominated for those. So get out of town, bro. Get out of town. Get out of horny town. enchilada. Horny. What kind of name is that? Go have relations with your enchiladas. <laughs> get and out then, of here. And then there was another hater. I don't want to say his name because I think he might like report us. But I posted a clip about a quiet place, and you were talking about how John Krasinski was unsure about taking on the project, but then once he read read the script. He got on board um, when he learned that it was about a family, and then he fell in love with the project and wrote and directed the film. And then some bozo wrote, wow, John Krasinski wrote and directed A Quiet Place. Thanks for the research. And it's like, bro, that's come not, on. That's not what the clip is that's about. Not what the clip All I said was that he didn't want to do it. Yeah. So there's a couple of, couple of uh, angry dudes out there. Very frustrated. But fun. maybe him and sexy, the sexy, sexy enchiladas should get together. Yeah. Get hope. their frustrations out. Yeah. They can just rate the internet fit gods in there and together but the fun fact is that john krasinski he wrote and directed a quiet place but he didn't write the original screenplay it was already written um, by two guys who sold it to michael bay's company and then john krasinski got on board rewrote the script to his liking and directed it but also because all he knew about it was it's a story about this family that can't speak and you have to figure out why and that's what that's he, what intrigued that's what him intrigued to read the and that's what the yeah. clip was about was like yeah. that's kind of an interesting little fact yeah. that like oh figure out why this family can't speak or make any noise it's yeah. a horror movie too by the way yeah. oh thanks for looking up who directed the movie and made a video about it not impressed not impressed alright anyways <laughs> let's move on to people who have nice things to say because we're all about positivity here uh, this is a great five star review from Confused Breakfast Podcast another movie podcast we're friends 
friends with these peeps. Oh, yeah. They're a great podcast. Yeah. So these fellas are the most knowledgeable movie podcast hosts out there. Funny, informative, thoughtful, and expands into so many different decades and genres. Listen to this podcast. Thanks, pals. We should collaborate with them. We should really appreciate that, for sure. On this day in film history, today is Valentine's Day, Aww. February 4th. And I got other information not from history.com here, okay? Okay. Is it from Ancestry.com? <laughs> no, it's from uh, WebMD. On this day in film.com. On this day.com. That's my go to site. In 1931, the original Dracula film starring Bela Lugosi as the 36. titular vampire is released. In 1963, Eight and a Half, directed by Federico Fellini, is released. Italia. In 1991, The Silence of the Lambs is released. Wow, nice. In 1992, Wayne's World is released. So that's a bunch of great, great films. We haven't had a good one. Like, yeah, that, those are like, two of my favorite movies. January is always weak and early yeah. February is weak, but that's finally we have a good day in film history. We've had some some weak ones last month. Sorry about that. It's not my fault. It and happy birthday fault. to Simon Pegg. <laughs> happy birthday, bud. My stream is a good friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, dear friend of the show. Yeah. My streaming recommendation today is My Big Fat Greek Wedding on HBO Max. That's a great movie. It, There's a hole in this cake. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good movie. That is um one of the most successful movies of all time based on return on investment. Yeah. Made bank. Yeah, and the woman who stars in it, she wrote it. Oh no way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Spec script. She sold it and then she starred in it. This was that was huge. Over three hundred million. We were like nine or ten, I think, something yeah, like that. That took the the America by storm. His mom loved it, yeah. and then when it came out, it was, it was like a it huge, was huge, huge hit. Yeah, it hit. came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. It's a very funny movie. That why don't we have that on this list? I don't know. We gotta put it on this list. All right, we're gonna add should it. Should we add it? Yeah, we think we should add it. <laughs> My streaming record. But that well, I mean, that's like a wedding movie. That's like a whole it's different. Very category. romantic, it's and a, it's very funny. Okay, fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll spitball uh, yeah, my we'll, Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. We'll Su- do it. But my stream recommendation is Super Troopers on Amazon Prime. But we'll do... Hold on, I'll read the next one. On oh, no, list. we can dri- dive right While into you it. Look, okay, give, give me the facts. Give Big me- Fat Greek Wedding. This came out in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Joel, Joel Zwick. <laughs> written by Nia Vardalos, who starred in it, like Anthony said. She plays Tula. Um... A young Greek woman falls in love with a non-Greek and struggles to get her family to accept him while she comes to terms with her heritage and cultural identity. This move. What are the ratings on it? It is a six point six on IMDb. Really, six point six. Well, I think it's really terrific. Um, it's super funny, super heartwarming, great romance between the two leads, and it's the I had never seen Greek culture in a movie before. Like this, you know, in America. True, yeah. And it was so fun to see, like, behind that curtain of that European culture and what, like, Greek Americans are like and what her parents and family are like. And, you know, the whole thing of all the parties and, like, when her parents meet his when his parents meet her parents for the first time. And it's just super fun. It's really sweet how they meet because um, she works at a travel agency and he, he walks past her window and that's how they meet. And he comes in and says hi. It's very sweet. It's, it gets complicated, but it's not super high drama stakes, but it's still things happen, but it has a really terrific ending. Yeah, that's true. And when yeah. you think about it, like a, not a ton of Greek films and stories because, mm-hmm. I mean, grow up in, growing up in New England and Massachusetts – there's like and no Greeks. There's, no, there's a ton of Greeks. Is there? There, we went to school with a bunch of Greeks. There's a bunch oh, of yeah, Greek restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of, bunch, yeah, I remember like 
the place on Moody, Demos. That place is bomb. Oh, Demos was really good. So, like, the I box. love Greek food. So, so good. Euros. What's the spinach pie that's so good? Spanakopita. So, like, there's a yeah. there's a lot of Greek culture in Massachusetts and in Boston. So, that's why, yeah, when you when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. There aren't many Greek films. And the story's hilarious. It's it's very fun. I love the 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 father with the Windex. He's all constantly yeah, yeah. spraying everything with, with Windex. Everything. <laughs> I think he even, like, sprays her with it. Yeah, he, yeah. like, sprays her hands and yeah. stuff. He's like, he, like, thinks it's, like, a magical elixir. <laughs> it's, num- it's That's it's so funny. Pneumonia. I mean, pneumonia? Or what's pneumonia. It? Mo- pneumonia. No, ammonia. Yeah. Ammonia. Yeah. Ammonia. Yeah. ammonia. The Windex doesn't have pneumonia. It has ammonia. ammonia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like movies like that don't get made anymore. They're just sweet, funny family dramas like that. Well, they still yeah. get made, but like I not as like well. The same. But yeah. the, the the it was super successful. So five million dollar budget. It made three hundred sixty eight million worldwide. Wow. However, its opening weekend was half a million dollars. That was word of mouth. So that was just a uh, ignited word that's of mouth. In, that's has that ever happened before like that? That's insane. Yeah, we we've talked about I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. Half a million to just getting snowballed into three hundred and sixty. We've talked we've talked about movies like that. I can't that's crazy. I can't remember what it was. Like it was, it's gotta be like like uh the Blair Witch Project was like that. Yeah, Blair maybe. Witch Project, and then um, I feel like Blair Witch had a good opening. Paranormal weekend. Paranormal Activity was like a word of mouth, like small mm-hmm. opening weekend, but just enormous. Yeah, yeah, I think it, you're right. We've talked about movies like that, but off the top of my head, I can't yeah, we've we've talked all, about them. We've talked about a few movies. All right, that's a quick recap on my big fat Greek wedding. That was a great job on the spot. Thanks, man. I, what can I say? You know. I, I couldn't have done it without the internet. <laughs> it's like, what is he going to say? <laughs> Next up, we have Pride and Prejudice, which is one of my favorite movies on this list, directed by Joe Wright and stars Keira Knightley, Matthew McFadden from Succession, plays Tom. He does a great American accent, yeah, by great. the way. Rosamund Pike and Carrie Mulligan in two of their early roles. This film has great reviews. It has a 7.8 on IMDb, an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 82% Metacritic score. And this is an adaptation of the famous Jane Austen novel of Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. And, you know, she's trying to swoon him and then vice versa and sparks fly. And even though there's chemistry, he's a strange guy and very reserved and... It's, he makes it difficult for her. It's a really great romance. It's one of the That's best. That's what she likes about him. Yeah. But Joe Wright is a terrific director, and he does some fantastic creative filmmaking, a lot of great long takes and beautiful cinematography, as well as a terrific score by Dario Marinelli. Did he do uh, Serrano, the new film that came, yes. that came out? Yeah, Peter Dinklage just yeah. lead roles. It's not out yet. It's coming it's out coming soon. It's coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pride and Prejudice is great. Um, you have bewitched me, buddy. <laughs> And soul. <laughs> it's, it's a really it's funny seeing him as Darcy and then seeing him as Tom in yeah, Succession. If, if any of you watch so Succession, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a classic love story. You know, like you said, Elizabeth, who she plays Elizabeth in, in multiple movies. Multiple Elizabeths. Multiple Karen Knightley, Elizabeth from uh, Swan. Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Swan, yeah. She's supposed to marry a wealthy man. That's what her family wants to marry a wealthy aristocrat or somebody who has a huge house. A, a nobleman. A nobleman. Like, yeah. and she's supposed to marry that guy that comes to town and her family's like, don't worry, she'll marry you. It's going to be fine. And she doesn't want to marry him because he's kind of a weird doofus guy. He's not a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a doofus. He's not, he's not a doofus, but she, does, she wants to find real love and she doesn't, yeah. just because, you know, her family is depending on her to get them out of, you know, their situation they just want to marry her off to be put into a nice house to have money so that they're taken care of they don't really care about her feelings and what she wants and that's one of the reasons why she's attracted to mr darcy because even though he is upper class he doesn't act like it yeah oftentimes what happened back then is that um uh, 
families would receive um, money for marrying their daughter off to a wealthy nobleman. Um, not, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called the term for it, but they would they would receive a hefty amount of money. It yeah, would be like, very. Oh, they talked about in the last duel. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Not a bounty, but something else. A dowry. Dowry. A dowry. It's part of the dowry. Yeah, part of the dowry. Thank you. That helped me figure it out. The last duel. You're welcome, man. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what could I say? So basically, I pretty much figured it out. <laughs> Who said dowry? <laughs> no, I wanted. I. I... It's dowry. <laughs> <laughs> I move it on. All right. Next up, we have love and basketball. This came out in. Anthony didn't write the year. Let me pull it up real quick. <laughs> oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> it was it 2002? I think. I didn't write the year for a bunch of them. I'm looking at 2000. it. So this came yeah. out 2000, directed by Gina <laughs> I Prince. Think I think I just stopped doing it. <laughs> 2000, directed by Gina Prince Bythewood, starring Santa, I mean, Santa Lathan, Omar Epps, Regina Hall, and Gabrielle Union. IMDb, it's a 7.2. Rotten Tomatoes, 84% Metascore, 70%. And this is a really great, not just a sports film, but a love film. It's about these two young athlete childhood friends, Monica and Quincy, played by uh, Santa Lathan, and then, and then Omar Epps, who are best buds. When they're basketball players in their youth, but then shows them getting older and they're high school stars in their own right. And then they go to college, but they want to be together at the same time. And it's just about their struggles where since she's in female sports, she doesn't have the glamour and, and the resources that he has because he's at college, at a university. It's USC, right? Yeah. Um, and he's a star and he has the lights on him and they have a giant budget. press. He's, yeah. he's got a, yeah, they have like the, the comparison of the weight rooms is yeah. a really great metaphor. And then, you know, the world's watching his sport and not many people are watching her sport. And so it's about that dynamic and about them being just as good as each other in their own respective sports, but how one is basically kind of a star and the others looked, uh, looked past by everybody else. It's a great contrast. And, you know, that's even more so nowadays because, like, NBA players are making $35, million, 35 to $40 million a year, which is more than, like, the entire WNBA. I don't I don't think the—I think the entire WNBA makes less than $10 million a year. It loses $10 million a year. No, but I mean the salary yeah. of the of the players. Oh, the, the oh wow, really? I think wow. it's ten million. That's crazy. And versus LeBron making like forty five, yeah, a year just for basketball. Yeah, and that's just his basketball salary. It's wild. But we actually we watched this in theaters as kids, and we actually watched this a few times. Like we watched this all the time when we were kids. Yeah. I really liked it as a kid. I was like, this is awesome because we love basketball, and it's one of the best basketball movies just in general. Um, it's a genre that doesn't have that many great movies, and this isn't one of the top ones for sure. But it's a great, touching story. Has a terrific uh, conclusion to their story, their love story. I really think it's fantastic. Um, the entire team knocked it out of the park, and the actors are terrific. Got a bunch of your slogans in there. Knocked it out of the park. I haven't said Watch, it yet. You just <laughs> I hadn't said it yet. So, it's it's about to kids. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I had yeah, I had not said. Um, uh, knocked out of the park yet. I feel like when people listen, they're like expecting and waiting for the slogans to come. Well, what happens is everyone has their own kind of phrases that they, it's like in their wheelhouse. With, you don't even realize it, but you'll say like the same things in certain situations. And one of my things is I say knocked out of the park a lot. Knocked out of the park. And I, and I say, you know what I mean a lot. That's something that I say a ton. Know what I mean? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Two, when Harry met Sally. This came out a, nine, a long time ago. It didn't write the year. <laughs> like, don't even worry about it. I didn't do it for any of the rest of the ones. I, I'll, I'll, let me go on history.com and get the year. <laughs> I'm kidding. This came out in 1989. Directed by Rob Reiner, starring Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, and Carrie Fisher. On IMDb, it's a 7.6. Rotten Tomatoes, 91%. And Metacritic, it is 76%. And it's a great 
you know, classic romantic comedy. It feels a lot like Annie Hall in a way, but a little a little more modern because it's a little after. It doesn't have Woody. It doesn't have freaking Woody <laughs> Allen in it. Um, <laughs> but it's still the same kind of humor, very dry. Uh, Billy Crystal's super funny in this movie. Meg Ryan's great. It's about, like, these these people who... They're friends, and it's, it's, it's this film's about the obsession of, like, can a man and a woman be friends without sex being involved at all? And he doesn't believe it's possible, unless, of course, they're both in relationships, and then that lifts the the, the spell, the, the spell and, or the desires, the sexual desires they would have for each other, according to his uh, narcissistic man persona in terms of thinking of that. Like, of course, I, that she'd want to have sex with me, but— yeah. But but also the movie it takes place in the oh, it opens with just a car ride where he, t- he takes her home from college and that's where they have that argument and then they reconnect ten years later not having seen each other since then. But it's really good. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, obviously it's it's predictable what happens. You know they yeah. end up you know they're they never see each other again. <laughs> <laughs> they end Sarah, up Sally dies. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> When it's called when Harry killed Sally. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's funny. It's a good time. It's classic. <laughs> no, but it's a great rom com. It's one of the best, and it, it really defined the genre for a long time. And Rob Reiner is is a very underrated director for the the eclectic kinds of films he he has made, from like A Few Good Men to When Harry Met Sally to Stand by Me. He's made some like every genre he's touched on. And acting in Wolf of Wall Street yeah. as Jordan's dad. Yeah. <laughs> I like when he does the British accent when the phone when he answers the phone. <laughs> yes, that's lovely. <laughs> Twenty thousand for sides. <laughs> the sides cure cancer. Yes, yes, they did. They did cure cancer. That's why they were so expensive. <laughs> Next up, we have a star is born, which was directed and written by Bradley Cooper, based upon the previous adaptations in the past. Um, this has. Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, and Sam Elliott rounding out the cast in terrific ratings. It is a 70.6 IMDb, 90% Rotten Tomato score, and an 88% Metacritic score. And this is about a, a seasoned country musician named Jackson Maine who falls in love with strongly, struggling artist Allie. And as she's about to give make it as big as a singer, Jackson um, falls into depression and into his alcoholism. It's a really terrific, wonderful film. Bradley Cooper did a stunning job with the directing. I think he learned a lot from especially David O. Russell because he used a lot of handheld minimalist cinematography. But the acting is some of the best that year. I didn't know Lady Gaga could act like this, and she just killed me with this performance. And Bradley Cooper, too. I think it was one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, they really knocked it out of the park. Really knocked it out of the park. This movie knocked me on my ass the first time I saw it. I wept multiple times. It's tragic, but also beautiful, incredible music, incredible singing. Lady Gaga is just... One of the greatest singers of all time and, and performers, and she's so good in this movie. Bradley's exceptional. You learn how to play guitar and sing just for this movie. Never done it before, and it's very well made. He also based his voice on Sam Elliott's voice before we even cast him. Yeah, and he's in the movie. He plays his big brother. Moving on to Crazy Stupid Love, directed by Glenn Ficarra and John Rayqua, starring Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, and Ryan Gosling, IMDb 7.4, Rotten Tomatoes 79%, Metacritic 68%. And this is a fun time. This is yeah. a fun movie. You it's know, really Ryan good. Gosling plays like this womanizer, um, and 
he meets Cal, played by Steve Carell, who's trying to like get woman, but he's kind of he's sort of like Andy from the Forty Year Old Virgin a yeah. little bit. He's recently separated, and he's since, since he was married for so long, he doesn't know how to date again. Yeah, and yeah. so he meets um, uh, Jacob Ryan Gosling's yeah, character. Jacob. Who like is a player and he's yeah. trying to teach him how to talk he's to him. He's always at the bar in the mall. Yeah, so like <laughs> he's, he seems so cool, but by the end of the film, you're like, this guy's a bum. Yeah. All he does is like go to the bar and bang women. The like, bar at the mall. Christ, like what? <laughs> the same crappy bar, <laughs> but he's very suave. He's very cool, and it's it's really funny. And it's another great LA movie. It's it's the LA outdoor mall we've been to a few times, and uh, Emma Watson and Ryan Gosling. I mean Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have so much chemistry. Obviously, three films together. And this might this is a terrific pairing between them two. And Steve Carell is really, really great. This is one of his best leading roles in a movie, I'd say for sure. But it's super funny, super endearing, uh, just a great uh, romantic comedy. It is. I would say it's a little long. Yeah, it's like oh, it's well over two hours. And I would say if I had one knock on the film, we don't really. I didn't. I didn't. I don't really love the teenager's story, the daughter. I'd say without that, it would be a much better movie if you cut out her storyline. But otherwise, it's a fantastic film. Yeah, and you know, Emma Stone's character breaks down Jacob and really gets him to fall in love. It's really eventually being a touching film. Aw. Next up, we have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, directed by Michael Gondry, written by Charlie Kaufman, starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, Tom Wilkinson, and Kirsten Dunst. This has amazing reviews. The best-reviewed movie on this list is an 8.3 on IMDb, which is the highest on this list. 92% Rotten Tomato score and an 89% Metacritic score. Uh, I think we've all seen this film. It's after after a painful breakup with Clementine. Um, her, uh, Joel discovers that Clementine erased her memory of him, so he decides to carry out the same service for himself. And while he's undergoing the procedure in his mind, he is going through memories with himself and Clementine and immediately regrets his decision. Man, how did this movie get on the list of romance films? It was uh, the second highest uh, requested. Oh, requested? Yeah. I guess, I guess you know, it is a romance. There's romance involved, but it's also, it's it's a really, it's a tragic. It's a hybrid. Tragedy. It's a hybrid. Yeah. You know, it's a breakup, romance, get back together, end it. Really just a, a mashup of, of it ends feelings in romance. and emotions. It, it, ends, you know, it ends romance. Uh, yeah. Romance they end up or together reconciliation almost. Well, they end up together. Yeah, it's a happy ending. True, it is happy ish. Happy ish. It's yeah. a it's an optimistic ending. Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I like that optimistic. But, ending. It's a really great movie. We gotta do an episode on it. I think we did a bonus we, episode. We went pretty heavy on it once. We did a mini bonus episode on yeah. Patreon, but we've never. Oh yeah, we've we never did. talked about it on the podcast. But it's a really brilliant movie. It's yeah. an incredible sci-fi film in general too. Just the idea and concept of being able to erase somebody from your mind and then. It's genius. And then Joel trying yeah. to get those memories back after he wants to back out of the mind eraser of Clementine. Eraser of Clementine. It's really beautiful. Charlie Kaufman, really interesting storyteller and all, all of his ideas with uh, stories and the mind and in the mind. And, you know, this, this movie's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Next up, 500 Days of Summer, directed by Mark Webb, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. IMDb 7.6, Rotten Tomatoes 86%, Metacritic score 76%. I think we've all seen this. It stars JGL as Tom, a greeting card writer, and hopeless romantic is caught completely off guard when his girlfriend, Summer, played by Zoe Deschanel, suddenly dumps him out of nowhere. He reflects on their 500 days together and tries to figure out where their love affair went sour, and in doing so, Tom rediscovers his true passions in life. I think this is a beautiful movie. I have a poster of it. I've, I've, had, I've loved this movie a lot since I saw it back in the day, and 
I love the nonlinear storytelling. I love the graphics involved. I think Mark Webb is a very sharp director. This is obviously why he got the job for doing Amazing Spider-Man because he knocked it out of the park, like Anthony would say with this film. <laughs> and the and the the musical sequences are great. The dance numbers and this movie's incredible. It's it's really really well made. It's perfectly catered to his style as a director because he started out as a music video director. So he did a ton of great music videos for about ten years before this film. So he was suited to the musical numbers and the surrealist nature of the film. And it's really fun. I love the style and tone. I don't think another movie has ever duplicated it from like, you know, that voiceover narration in the opening to like all the, like you said, the animation and graphics they threw into the film. I think it's extremely creative of a movie. Another great LA movie. You get to see great architecture in LA. And it's about, you know, a breakup and how a breakup can be confusing and you can be very lost afterwards and trying to like figure out what exactly happened. And, you know, I think we've all been in, the, in Tom's shoes at some point or another. And also, I think this is the movie that really made Zoe a star. This was it. And I think we've all been in, in summer shoes at some point in our lives as well, where you, you have to do the dumping. And, you know, it happens to all of us. We've all been there, I'm sure. And I think one of my one of my favorite movie scenes in general of all time is the expectations versus reality sequence where Mark Webb has both versions of what Tom thinks is going to happen when he goes to Summer's party on the rooftop at her place versus what actually happens. And I think that's one of, it's really emotional, but I think it's a really terrific scene. And that's one of my all-time favorite moments. Yeah, because in movies, you don't really see often, we all do like these imaginary scenarios in our minds, whether it be of something that we know is going to happen and we imagine what that situation will end up being like, or we'll imagine just like, even like impossible situations or daydream situations that you want to happen, but never would. So I think that they really capture that idea really well. Next up, we have Call Me By Your Name, which was directed by Luca Guadagnino and stars Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. It has excellent reviews, 7.9 on IMDb, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 93% Metacritic score. And this is a terrific film, one of the best films of that year. In the summer of 1983, a 17-year-old Elio is spending day, he's spending his days with their family at a 17th century villa in Italy, and he meets Oliver, a handsome doctoral student. It's a really terrific movie about falling in love, the uncertainty involved with that, and I think it's a really beautiful film. Elio, 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 Elio. Oliver, Oliver. I remember everything. <laughs> I love this movie. I adore it. I've seen it like 12 times. I got a poster of it also on my wall. And I, I can watch this movie any day, back to back, no problem. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Back to back. Back to no back. No problem, Playa. <laughs> back to back. It's a masterpiece, in my opinion. It's beautifully filmed in Italy and Italia. Um, Luca is a tremendous filmmaker. Can't wait for his new one. Unfortunately, we're not going to get a sequel to this film, obviously, because Army Hammer wants to eat people. <laughs> So that sucks <laughs> because I was really – they announced it right yeah. before that came out. Yeah. So we were all excited about them making the sequel because the, there's a book, there's a sequel, but the movie, that's off now. But it's it's really incredible. I think I might read the book. I'm curious. Yeah. it's it's. I've read the I've read the first one, and it's pretty intense, but it's it's really, really good read. Yeah. And um, it's, re it's beautiful. I love this movie. Uh, we've talked about it. We did it in our coming-of-age episode. Correct. Like a year. year Correct. Lady Bird and Calling By Her Name and, and Moonlight. Moonlight. And that was a great episode, but I would love to do a solo on this because there's so much to talk about. And, so you much. know, Timmy Chalamet, wow, this this is the performance that blew him up. He got Dune yeah. because of this. He got all those roles after this. He became a superstar, nominated for an Oscar. Army Hammer is really great in this, but everyone else in, in this film is terrific. And I think Luca's a special filmmaker and the screenplay is exceptional. The story is beautiful, and I love it. If you like horror movies, he made a great movie called Suspiria. 
a few years ago. The, the yeah, the remake. The remake. Next up, we have Moulin Rouge, which was directed by Baz Luhrmann and stars Ewan McGregor, Nicole Kidman, John Leguizamo. It has a 7.6 on IMDb, 76% Rotten Tomatoes score, and 66% Metacritic score. A terrific, vibrant, colorful musical about love. The Englishman in Paris in 1899 becomes infatuated with Satine, a singer at the Moulin Rouge. Uh, this is a terrific, uh, great musical numbers, great dancing, amazing production design, cinematography, and the cast is amazing. Like I didn't know Ewan McGregor could sing like this. I didn't know Nicole Kimmon could sing like this. They're really phenomenal performers. And this thing, this this movie won a ton of awards, right? Yeah, it got it got nominated for a ton of Oscars. Well, let me see. So it won two Oscars. It won Best Art Direction, Set Direction, won Best Costume Design. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress in Leading Role, Best Cinematography, Best yeah. Editing, Best Makeup, Best Sound. So what, 10 nominations, yeah. two wins. Incredible achievement. And, you know, this is one of the best musicals of all time. Boz Lerman, he's got a very, he's a very distinct filmmaker. You know, you could say he's an auteur. He's got his own style that supersedes the film. You know, he's... It's him. It's his vision. No one makes films like Baz Luhrmann. No one. Next up is If Beale Street Could Talk, came out in 2018, directed by Barry Jenkins, starring Kiki Lane, Stephen James, and Regina King. This is what she won her Oscar for back in 2018, Regina King. IMDb to 7.1. Rotten Tomatoes to 93%. A young woman embraces her pregnancy while she and her family set out to prove her childhood friend and lover innocent of a crime he didn't commit. It's a touching love story. It's tragic. You know, this 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 character, Tish, is in love with Funny Hunt, and she surprised him with the news of their of her pregnancy, their pregnancy. Uh, but he's also been falsely arrested for rape. So it's really about the family at next about the situation, but also trying to prove his innocence. And the accuser runs away to Puerto Rico, so that makes things even more complicated. And, you know, the everything's stacked against the family as they try to, you know, set up their defense for the situation. It's really tragic, but it's also a beautiful love story. Barry Jenkins is a terrific filmmaker. Moonlight's a masterpiece, hands down. And this is the next film he made after that. And just cinematography... Art, art, artistry. This is a really beautifully beautiful looking film as well. Well said. Thanks, man. Next up, we have Twilight. Put this in there for Casey. Directed <laughs> Casey by a shout out to Catherine Hardwick, which stars Kristen Stewart, Robert Pat Robert Battinson. <laughs> you, you wrote Battinson in the notes. <laughs> yeah. And Taylor Lautner. What's funny is I I, I didn't realize I actually wrote Battinson. I, I I in my head I was like it'd be whatever I wrote Battinson, but I thought I wrote Pattinson. Just have it. And it has, it has, I didn't know it was such bad reviews as a 5.2 on IMDb, 49% Rotten Tomatoes, and 56% Metacritic. We all know Twilight. It was, uh, everybody saw it. Um, I, I thought it was pretty good. I, I've just never been a Twilight person, but for what it was, I mean, you, it's, it's pretty impressive how successful it became and how much of a pop culture sensational sensation it became. Plus, it discovered two really terrific actors, and I'm, I'm just very much excited to see what these two actors keep doing. Uh, Kristen Stewart was to really fantastic, and Spencer and Robert Battenson is going to be <laughs> sensational in the Batman. Well, I mean, you say what you want about Twilight. We would not be having Robert Battenson, Robert Battenson <laughs> as Batman. Now I, can't, now I cannot say it. As Batman without this movie, you know, yeah. his career, maybe he would have been an actor and found success with other films, but his path and career would have probably looked completely different if he didn't do these movies. Who knows if his career would have kept going on? You know, I mean. I think it still would have. I think he has maybe, the talent. But I mean. He would have gotten a different role. It would have been, it would have been a different yeah. career. He maybe wouldn't have done The Lighthouse. Maybe he wouldn't have, have yeah, done High Life. Like. All these films, it's like different world, different dimension, you know, a different life. But also, maybe Twilight wouldn't have been as successful without them. 
Maybe probably well yeah. probably because the fervor for Taylor Lautner and and Robert Pattinson was yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah, they were people were swooning over Pattinson big time. And Taylor, dude, Taylor was huge. And then everyone yeah. had the T-shirts, Team Edward. Or oh team, yeah, Edward. Or, um, what was, what's his name in the team? Edward. Ed- Jesus. No, Edward and what's his name? Oh, um, Edward and oh, Jacob. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Want me to look it up real quick? Look it up. Yeah, all right. You I'm keep, pretty sure it's Team Jacob. You keep, you keep talking about Twilight while I'm looking this up. Yeah, so. Twilight's just... <laughs> <laughs> I know it so well. <laughs> I know that there's that cheesy baseball game. Jacob Black. Jacob, yes. Uh, With the Muse song that yeah, plays, though. Yeah. Uh, pretty funny ending. I mean, yeah, that, there's that <laughs> evil vampire who wants... Like, everybody wants Bella. Like they are, they're all craving. She her. smells really good. Yeah, she smells great. <laughs> <laughs> she's got that. She's got that manscaped deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost at checkout. <laughs> all right. Next up, the last one on our list. No, we got two. Oh, we got two more. I I'm snuck. Sick. I snuck a last oh, another one in I'm there. I'm curious what it is. You've got mail directed by. No- Actually, since I'll do that, you can do this one. You've got mail. <laughs> directed by Nora Ephron, starring Tom Hicks and Meg Ryan. It has a. Uh, 6.7 IMDb, 69% Meta, Rotten Tomatoes, and a 57% Metacritic score. A struggling boutique book bookseller, Kathleen hates Joe Fox because his company, Fox Books, is a giant chain that moved in across the street and is putting her bookshop and others out of business. And however, unbeknownst to both these people, they are secret pen pals on the AIM chat system. Back in the day, all we had on the internet was AIM. And you would just chat with your friends and buddies, like AIM message. So this is what these two go do back and forth. People are like, what are you talking about, Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> so so this is a very state-of-the-art movie in terms of technology. <laughs> now it's very, very cheesy. But I think it's a really, really great rom-com. It's very touching. I think, you know, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have so much chemistry together. And I just really love this film. What did they do? Three movies together? Three yes. rom-coms? I like Sleepless in Seattle, but you made me realize that it's kind of stalkerish. Yeah. Where she stalks, yeah. she stalks like the hell out of them. They they don't meet until the end. They don't meet until it's the kinda, end. Kind of creepy. And you've got mail. They have lots of scenes together. And that's yeah. the whole, like, that's what you want. You don't want the chemistry of the actors together. But two of the best actors of the 90s just, yeah. you know. They're icons. Tremendous movies. Really good time. <clears throat> All right. The final film on the list is... Ten Things I Hate About oh, You yeah, yeah. came out in 1999, directed by Gil Junger, based on Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. Heath Ledger stars in this with Julia Stiles and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Rotten Tomatoes, 70%. IMDb, 7.3. And Metacritic, 70 And I think this is just one of the best high school movies I've ever seen of all time. You know, Heath Ledger, so young and talented in this film. You could see he was gonna on his way to becoming a star. This is probably the movie that really shot him into superstardom. This, then The Knight's Tale, and then he obviously moving on to Brokeback Mountain and The Dark Knight with some other films in between there. And he was in an Australian drug addiction movie called Candy, I believe. That's really great. But yeah, you could yeah. just see the leading man of the century was Heath Ledger <clears throat> before his, his passing, for imagine sure. Imagine what he would have done. By now, I mean, like, it, it's like been 15 years. Like, imagine the movies he would have made. Yeah, for it's, it's, so, it's, it's crazy. so sad, man, because he was... Was he forty yet? No, he was like thirty-five. No. Yeah, he was young. He was thirties. Yeah, in his thirties. So I think he was young, early thirties too. Uh, yeah, I think he was like, like thirty when he did Joker. No, he was like thirty-three. I think. Thirty-three. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I can check. I think he was thirty when he did. He, he did Brokeback. No, I think he was twenty-eight when he did Brokeback. And then so thirty, thirty, like thirty when he did the Joker. He was born in nineteen seventy-nine, so he died at twenty-eight. Oh my so, god, so yeah, we he was, were way off. So, he, so he, he might have been twenty-seven when he did the Joker. 
He probably yeah he filmed because it was it was it was in the can for m- several months before he died yeah so he would have had to have filmed it by April so he probably was 28 when he filmed it isn't that crazy that's yeah, a, so I didn't young. know he was under 30 years old yeah man. holy he crap was super young but man what a talent I mean he's an omni I'm not there Candy Casanova Candy yeah that's the it, Brothers yeah. of Grimm Lords of Dogtown he's awesome so he still made a bunch of movies before his passing but it's, it's in the Patriot obviously but you know what, ten things I hate about you it's it's really great. Uh, bunch, it's a great ensemble Joseph cast. Gordon-Levitt's in yeah, it. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a young kid. Julia Stiles is awesome in this movie. It's I love high school movies, and I think this is one of the best ones. Yeah, I think it's really fantastic. It's super fun, super charming. Uh, it's dramatic, and the whole cast, the, the ensemble did a fantastic job. It's it's really fun. And now, before we end the episode, we have a bonus section. Bonus. For bromance movies. Yeah, so, we, yeah this is a great list. Yeah, so we made a list of bromance films. Would you like to read it off? I would love to. So our bromance movies are Point this, Break. Yeah, these are movies you watch with your bros. Yeah, yeah. Bro it up, bro. It's okay if your knees touch by accident. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Point Break, the original. I Love You, Man. Shawshank Redemption. Pineapple Express. Step Brothers. 21 Jump Street. Fight Club and Wedding Crashers, but the end list is endless. With, There's a lot of bro them. movies, yeah. but those are those are some very good ones. I think that um, what's what's the best one on that list? Best movie on that list to but, watch no, with no bros? the best bromance on that list. <laughs> it's funny that Fight Club's on there. Yeah, um, I think that uh, I think Shawshank Shawshank's the best bromance. But I love Pineapple Express too, yeah. man. That movie's so funny. Yeah, it is funny. Step Brothers, Step Brothers, but is Step Brothers a bromance? Yeah. Not until the last scene. Oh, when, what are you talking about? There's like an hour of no, it's not an hour. It's like it's like twenty minutes tops. No, it's of more than twenty minutes tops, but it's worth it. Yeah. It seems like longer. That's <laughs> like when you said Will Smith doesn't do sequels. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I deleted that. Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, I think Shawshank is the most endearing bromance of all time. All right, it's and the ultimate. Yeah, the movie's about love. If you think about it, yeah. It's a loving relationship. All right, that ends our romance episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Happy Valentine's to you all. If you don't have a significant other, then just tune into some of our episodes and you can spend Valentine's with us or just watch one of these great movies. Don't forget to go to history.com. <laughs> Use our coupon code for history information. <laughs> Take care. And now it's time for our Patreon shout-out. This is for our top-tier and godfather-tier patrons. Thank you so much to all patrons, but here is the shout-out list. Dawson Jolokir, Justin, Caleb Fleming, Michael Caranja, Harry Roscoe, Caitlin Signorelli, Travis Ball, Nicola Simeona, Jacob Kostler, Jorge Chavez, Caleb McFalls, Dennis, Dylan Workus, Sal Guarnera, Max Rosk, Grayson Younts, Cole Carroll, Christopher Tunnel, Tanner Teagarden, Madison Hamadillo, Barrett Compton, Andy Walker, TJ Rollins, Christian Carter, Nick Sheridan, Nicholas Ozaniak, Caitlin Callahan, Sarai Rogers, Brandon Smith, Sean Harrington, Ethan Storm, Devin Udarium, Derek Noonan, Miriam Ally, Brooke Shanks, Stephen Guidos, Simon Tooze, Brittany Underwood, Jeremy Slattery, Jeremy Benavidez, Cody Moan, Samantha Steele, Frank Caraglio, Michael Kelly, Josh Coburn, Joe Lopez, Rachel Von Den Heuvel, Brian Barton, Derek Perkins, Daniel, a.k.a. Just Dan the Man, Olivia Pacini, Megan Costa, Patrick Clausen, Desiree Gonzalez, Joanna Trenina, Anthony Lampares, Colleen Medlar, Matthew Fires, Ariel Trankel, Spencer Pike, Anthony Farmer, Maxwell McCree, Gabriel Townsend, Hayden Hensley, Odin Childs, Evan Smith, Leslie Miranda, Amanda Hatfield, Casey McWheels, Tom Collum, Adam Beardsley, 
Anthony DeMeo, Melissa Colguin, Andrew Hagen, Andres Sanchez, Janice aka J-Nice, William Swift, Angel Godoy, Gabe Beckles, Christopher Leon, Ben Cook, Brendan Dowler, Isaiah Argue, Raul Garcia, Rocky Troop, Amanda Salinas, Riza Lopez, Michael Zarita, Calvin Murphy, Todd Stone, David 767, Patrick Jadani, Lewis Thomas, Guy Adams, Heath Livingston, Sky, Dylan Taylor, Josiah Walker, Alexa Castro, and Tanner Mead. Thank you so much to all of our top tier Godfather tier, as well as our other tier patrons. You all keep the lights on for the show. Thank you so, so much for your monthly support. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.